Welcome back, everyone, to the newest episode of the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. And today, I'm joined by my two trusty co-hosts, as always, following uh, an easy preseason finale, I guess you can say. Easy in the sense that didn't look like anybody exerted themselves too, too much. 1-1 draw with Bruce Dortmund. We'll get to that in a little bit. But before we do, let me just go ahead and introduce... Uh, Sam, I'll start off with you first. Um, how you doing? How you feeling? Undefeated in the preseason. Mm. Already a trophy. We are the inaugural Premier League Summer Series champions. Let's go. So that means we have the most Premier League Summer Series titles um, in the whole world. So um, once again... Chelsea proves that they're one of the biggest clubs, if not the biggest club in the world. Just another uh, trophy to add into our cabinet. But yeah, I more mean, trophies, more trophies than Poch has won at Spurs. Just uh, start there. Yeah, and he's been here for a couple months. Has it even? Has it been? Not even. I think it's been a, yeah. exactly a month, if I'm if I'm correct. But Andy, um, how you feeling, man? I mean, do you share that same sentiment as Sam? Another of opportunity to rub I it do. in to our Lavara. Other rivals that haven't won shit and don't win shit? You have to. Every chance that you have to rub it into Spurs' face is, is great. Plus, like their preseason trophy looked like it was made out of plastic, and our preseason trophy looked like actual silverware, so that was nice. Mm. But uh, guys, It was a weak trophy. The trophy was weak. Yeah, it was pretty weak. Theirs had a sticker. Let's just say that. Like It was a sticker that said their, their cup oh, name or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it was worse. If Lando Norris needed to break any trophy, it was probably that one. <laughs> <laughs> Formula One reference for those that have yeah. no idea what Zach's talking about. But guys, <laughs> honestly, we yeah. have some pressing matters. Yes. Mm-hmm. We have some a long overdue addition to our BOP, our BOP Ultras. We have a lifelong Chelsea fan who has not been added to our Ultras group. Hmm. Who are you talking about? My son. <laughs> you you have a kid? I mean February 2024. Oh, for Whoa, real? Oh, no way. <laughs> You're really doing this on the pod? What the <laughs> fuck? Actually, dude. Yeah. That's amazing. Dude, okay, this is a genuine reaction. Hey. Honestly, <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Papa Andy. Oh my, my wife God. is asking me now. Uh, baby <laughs> Velasco coming in 2024. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, Andreas. That's amazing, man. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. That's awesome Give hey, your love. You're going to be. My God. I mean, you've Give been our love practicing. to your wife and, and your family, been... man. That's freaking awesome. Andres, you have been practicing your whole life. Not like the baby making part. You, I know you've been practicing that, but <laughs> I'm talking. But you have been making dad jokes consistently for the last however many years that we've known each other. You were born to be a dad. You were That's born it. to be a dad. I'm so yeah. happy for you. We gotta find. 
we got to find a way to uh, kickstart uh, Project Mbappe. I don't know if you've seen that on TikTok yet. That one dude oh, with like his little yeah. one-year-old son. Yeah. I've we got to start that. cleats on him. Yeah, yep. definitely. Yep. That's the first thing that baby's going to kick when it's not Hannah's belly. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's yeah, awesome. We, found out, we found out the gender this weekend. So we got our, our genetic testing back and baby's fully healthy. Hannah's officially in her second trimester. So we can kind of start now telling people yeah yeah wait you're you're not revealing the gender yet is that is that oh i said it's a son i said no no oh I yeah you did what am i saying yeah i said oh yeah let's go yeah. dude that's awesome oh that is dude something. i don't even want to record anymore let's just celebrate <laughs> yeah i know let's party well i got my whiskey as usual so i'll be uh taking a sip cheers andres congratulations thank you um but anyways, we were, you, we were uh, I was about Wait. to get in. I was about to make my smooth transition into the transfer segment. Oh, but um, I, I think we the were best... gonna do. Weren't we going to do a Barbie movie segment first? <laughs> oh, well, Andy was supposed to do that, Barbie. but I think he made a baby after he watched Barbie. So I think that <laughs> takes precedent over the movie itself. Um, but anyways. Let's just let's just kind of get into it. I mean, obviously, the best addition to our squad is baby boy, of course. But um, potentially some outgoings here. I mean, let's talk a little bit about Romelu Lukaku. I know we went from a high to a really, really low, low just now. Um, but <laughs> no, Juventus agreed. No, this is what you mean. This is amazing news. It, it depends how you look at it. So Juve agreed on personal terms with the forward on a three-year deal. Obviously, they are still discussing the terms of the deal, and even if Chelsea want to move forward with it, the offer is this. It's Juve want Chelsea to offer Lukaku, 40, Lukaku plus $40 million for Dujan Vlahovic. Um, for those of you that don't know, we rejected this same exact offer last month, um, and now the offer's presented itself again. It does look a little bit more enticing. We know that the bridge is completely burned with Inter Milan. Lukaku's turned down multiple advances from Saudi Arabia. He's on fat wages. He probably looks fat too. Um, but it's going to be really hard to move him. So that's, that's the reason why Sam is sharing his excitement that potentially we could get the guy off of our books. Now, I'm just going to raise a few concerns of mine and then I'll pass it off to you guys to see what you think. I'm just going to say my little bit. I do like the fact that we're getting rid of Lukaku. I despise the fact that we have to throw money in on top of it because I don't think that that's fair value in terms of what we're getting in return. To be fair, I think Lukaku for Vlahovic straight up is a fair is a fair switch, fair trade, just in terms of um, what each player could produce. Adding forty million on top of that's a little ridiculous. Now I know Lukaku's on big wages, but Vlahovic is on big wages too, so it's not like we're moving Lukaku out to bring in a guy that's going to make, you know, half or even a third of what he was of what Lukaku was making. Instead, we're bringing in a guy that's probably going to wind up making two-thirds or about 75% of what Lukaku's salary was, and we got to cough up the additional $40 million on top of it. So my question to you guys is, with all that into consideration, knowing that Broja's coming back, knowing that Nico Jackson is absolutely banged since he, since he got here, what are your thoughts on the deal, both financially and then on the other hand, in terms of the actual player that we'd be acquiring and how he'd fit into the team? So, Sam, I'll start with you since you seem to be so excited about this. Yeah, um, I mean, the first thing, so earlier today, news came out about um, Gabriel Jesus, his uh, surgery on his knee, 
and um, the first thing that popped up in my head is like, okay, um, depth is important. That's something that we need. Um, I'm like, I like okay. We said we're all in on Nico Jackson, but it's still a mystery. We still aren't a hundred percent sure whether it's gonna be you know, like we said, double digit contributions. Like, is that what we're expecting? Um, but I I do like Vlahovic. I think if you were like the value to, of Lukaku to us is obviously way less than the value he provides for Juventus. So it's kind of like a weird valuation because like it's like to us he's worth whatever 40 million to them they're worth he's, he's worth 40. 80 million. Yeah. 80 80 million over there like you know because he's just every time well, he's been in 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 Serie A he's dominated or not dominated but he's looked really good. I think Juve value Vlahovic at 80 million because I mean a guy like Lukaku would probably go for around 30 to 40 and then they want another 40 on top of that in order to make this a fair swap. So I get it. I mean it's it's like it's if, a lot of money. I I don't care honestly. I I <laughs> all the details are fuzzy to me. Getting Lukaku off the team is honestly priority number one for me um but yeah if i i think we could bring it down 40 million is a lot yeah and and it also depends on how desperate juve are like if they if they are pursuing right. potential alternatives i know that there's a couple strikers on the market that are a little bit cheaper than that um you know that they could maybe negotiate with but like who Andre- what's the name huh like who Oh, now you're going to put me on the spot. I'm sure there's a striker that's cheaper than... I mean, they agreed, they agreed personal terms with Lukaku, so they must yeah, yeah, yeah. want him. But yeah, they, 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 they only want Lukaku. I mean, they haven't been targeted with anybody else, but I mean, you could look around Europe and find a striker for less than $40 million. We picked up Nico Jackson for 30 something But, yeah. Andres, but do you want to speak on... Do you want to speak yeah. on the Vlahovic thing a little bit more and maybe, like, the... What, what potential benefit might be, even? I mean, where do you kind of stand I mean, with yeah. this? I think financially, in terms of our books, it makes perfect sense. Um, I've found that Blahovic, according to Sky Sports, is making 7 million euros a season. So when you break that down, that's like a little bit around 130-something thousand a week. Mm -hmm. So that is half of Lukaku's wages, easily. And that's 20 grand more than what we're paying Colville. Okay, sure. That's fine. But here's the thing, like, Colwell's our player. Like we didn't buy, we didn't have to buy a contract like that. That mm-hmm. in, immediately makes him cheaper. My other thought process is, I think the forty is too high. I think if we can get that anywhere closer to thirty, I think that'd be easier to swallow. But at the end of the day, Vlahovic is just a diff, a different profile. I think this would give us a third profile at striker, and and I'm not counting Nkunku as a striker here. I hope Nkunku is strictly playing at a at the wing or the ten. Um, you have Nico Jackson, who is willing to be part of a, as a playmaker as much as he is a scorer. You have Broja, who is a very direct, straight line and poacher, perhaps. And then you have Vlahovic, who's like fox in the box, right? Like this guy's not lightning speed. He's trying to get the last ball sent to him, and he's going to finish it. So to me, I think this just adds a third profile. I also think at 23 years old, 
a reason you might take the gamble on this guy is that you have resale value. So like one decent season at Chelsea, even if he's not the number one guy, you can sell him and get your money back. Because again, he's 23, he's an international, mm-hmm. and I mean, he's not on crazy wages where he would be immovable from there. So I think like low risk, if you get that extra cash fee down and then potentially high reward from there. So Mm -hmm. that's where I'm at with it. You get rid of Lukaku's wages, you get rid of Lukaku's shitty attitude, and you get a guy that has just been told isn't good enough for Juventus, might be hungry to prove that he was once worth 70 million and like the signing of the summer that year. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Financially, in terms of like week to week, it makes a lot of sense. I'm just... 40 is a lot for me. And, and I'm actually going to go ahead and kind of add to that a little bit. I, I'm conflicted with this, to be completely honest, because I love Nico Jackson. I think he's our number one. I think yeah. he's better than Vlahovic, based on what I've seen so far, at least. I mean, granted, I, I am speaking from a point of bias. I haven't really seen that much of Vlahovic play, but just based on research and highlights and whatnot and, and, and data... It does look like Nico Jackson's going to fit into our team a little bit better, just stylist. Now, the benefit of it is obviously Lukaku's gone, but now we got squad competition. Um, We legitimately have depth at the center forward position, like you alluded to. I think it's going to allow, or not allow, but I think it's going to raise Broja's game. It's really going to be a make it or break it season for Broja more than anybody. It's also going to raise Nico Jackson's game because Vlahovic is a first team quality striker. You're not bringing in a guy who's expected to be a backup or expected to kind of play the same role that Olivier Giroud did when he first arrived here years ago, right? This is a guy that's going to has a sole intention of competing for that first team spot and making it his. And he probably will have a couple good performances for us. And, you know, he, he might fit in like Nico Jackson did just in his own way. Um, so that's, that's the positive for me. Um, but again, it, it's just the 40 million that kind of irks me. I think if they do get that number down to the 30 mark, like you said, Andres, it would make this, I still think it's a lot, but it would make it a much easier pill to swallow. Sam, you were going to add something? Yeah, I think, I mean, we missed the most obvious point and it's that we have other positions that are way higher priority than a striker right now. And I know on our priority list, getting rid of Lukaku has got to be like top three. Um, But, you know, we're going to get into the whole Caicedo thing. Tyler Adams, like, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with that, with that position. Like I'm fully expected, honestly, like you saw, you saw our lineup today. Yeah. Um, We had, we had Connor Gallagher starting alongside um, Enzo Fernandez. And, after the match, Pochettino. Oh, well, we're gonna we're gonna get to that. I'm gonna cut you off. I mean, we're, we're, we're gonna we're, get to that. I mean, the, um, this is just the main point. I mean, you know, it's not gonna ruin anything. But the point is, like, are we gonna roll into the season with Gallagher being the second guy in that pivot, and then Andre Santos off the bench? That is pretty scary. <laughs> like, right. I, I just think that. Even like if we don't go out, if we don't get Caicedo, we need to get someone else. I mean, Tyler Adams, we're going to get into, but like, you know, just anyone. We need a body. Yeah. I mean, let's just kind of just get into the Caicedo thing. I mean, 
every day there's something new and <laughs> it's never good. Um, it's always Chelsea are still in the talks. Chelsea haven't left the table. They're still in discussions, blah, 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 blah. So, I mean, four bids rejected up to this point. News came out today that a new undisclosed club has entered the race with an 80 million offer. Um, ben Jacobs confirmed it's not Liverpool, which we all thought it was. Um, but now looking back, it does make sense. They didn't even want to, I mean, they weren't willing to go over 50 for Lavia because they didn't have the money for it. So what makes you think they're going to go for an 80 million pound player? I mean, this whole situation is getting frustrating. And then the other day it comes out that we're also pursuing Robert Sanchez. Those rumors kind of came back around. I know they were, they were alive and well a while ago and then it got quiet and now the flame is well lit. And it sounds like we're going to make um, Brighton play ball by negotiating for Robert Sanchez too. And again, this is a, not similar to the Vlahovic situation, but similar in the sense that it's going to present competition in that. You know, Kepa is clearly the number one. Um, you know, uh, Slonina's going to get a loan, so, you know, he's clearly out of the picture. Mendy's in Saudi Arabia. We need another first-team quality goalkeeper to kind of step in and create that competition for Kepa. So, no word on whether it's a fee or a loan. I've seen rumors that it could be either. Um, I heard it's, a, it's supposed to be like a, a straight-up purchase, like a relationship. $100 million for both. <laughs> Something like that's that. Right. Like I, it, I saw. I literally well, saw that. Well, that would make sense. I mean, Sanchez did fall out with. That's what Deserby. I was going to say. Um, he, he doesn't have a relationship yeah. with the team anymore. Exactly, and and something that's important to note because you know I've seen a lot of people on Twitter, especially going, "Oh yeah, he's great. Um, he's first team quality." And then I see some other people saying he can't even make Brighton's first team. So it, some background on it. He was Graham Potter's goalkeeper, not Roberto Deserbi. So if you're wondering why he didn't play under Deserbi. He just wasn't favored too well. And and it was his distribution that was the issue, um, which is funny because his distribution's phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, he's 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 a ball playing goalkeeper. Um I yeah, think he wait, even had an assist this season. It doesn't even make sense. No, it, it really doesn't make sense. I mean, I know Deserbi has a very specific way in which he it, like a very specific way in which he wants to move the ball. Um, but for whatever reason, he preferred what's his name? Steel? Is it? Yeah, I forgot Steel. his first name. Yeah, Jason. Steel? Jason, I believe. I don't know why yeah, I think it's star. Jason. Jason Steel might be a porn star. Might actually. be a porn star, but it could be a goalkeeper <laughs> for Brighton too. Who knows? But let's just say Jason Steel's a Brighton's goalkeeper. It is, not a it is Jason Steel. Okay, thank God. Whew. I was gonna have Jesus every all Christ. of our listeners googling, man. But look, I mean, if we can get two for one, great. But I'm I'm frustrated, man. We kind of have been left with egg on our faces four separate times by Brighton. I think Caicedo's agent's a dumbass for not putting any sort of release clause and expecting the gentleman's agreement to actually go through. It's like you're not a very good judge, you know. You can't really judge character very well. At least so that's how knew, the, the owners knew what they were doing, right? But one hundred percent, going to get a move. He got they played. Were gonna, they were going to wait until Declan Rice got his fee, and yeah, he exactly got played. They're going to they wait till Declan delayed, Rice delayed. gets his fee, and then they're going to go out and uh, say Caicedo's English, and he needs the same exact price. Um, but no, look, but I mean, the, the thing I was going to say real quick, like this mm-hmm. isn't the first time that we do something like this with Brighton. Like we paid fat. 
extra 12 million or 15 million on for Kukurea just so that they would say, okay, we'll take Levi Colwell just on loan. Okay, this isn't the first time we've done this. We also paid Napoli extra for Jorginho so that we could get Maurizio Sarri as the manager. Like mm-hmm. these little compound deals where it's like two for one we've done before. It's annoying because I don't think Robert Sanchez moves the needle at all. But I guess it buys Slonina time to prove himself and come back next season. I mean, the only bright side to getting it. (laughs) Yeah, obviously getting Caicedo is a big positive. But the other bright side to Robert Sanchez coming to Chelsea is that his old goalkeeping coach from Brighton under Graham Potter is at Chelsea now. So, you know, granted the following out of Brighton and everything. goalkeeper coaches because we've got three (laughs) or four now. There's so many of them I know, but... Look, I mean, if he can regain some of the form that he had at Brighton, you know, in the early parts of last season and even the season before that, I think he could definitely make a run for Kepa's spot. I don't think that's out of the question at all. But it, but to your point, Andres, is it that clear of an upgrade to where it would I don't make even know if it is. such a big difference on the pitch? Yeah. I don't know either. I think it could be, but on the other hand, I won't be surprised if it's a like-for-like like almost in terms of quality. Sam? Yeah, I mean, like, if it's if it's an upgrade, it's marginal, you know? I mean, that's it's not going to be, like you said, doesn't push the needle. I mean, these guys are honestly fucking crooks. Like, these guys are criminals. <laughs> I swear to God. I every Like you said, every day it's something new. And it's just, like, this whole undisclosed bid oh, nonsense. Oh, I call bullshit. I call absolute bullshit. That, how how is that even possible? Like, the it's fact either... That, that, I just think it's either like the reporter is making shit up. Whoever whoever reported that, I don't even remember who Andy, it was. Andy Naylor or something, Andy Taylor or something like that. He's a Brighton correspondent. Sure. And I mean it's just like every day it's something new. We're, we're, we'll go ahead and Andres. I was just gonna say this whole undisclosed club thing, like they do realize that Caicedo and his agent need to know who the club is because they need to For sign sure. the contract. Like yeah. This is so dumb. Like, whatever if, the strategy here is. And, and, and we didn't even say this. Caicedo was at some sort of award ceremony yesterday with Brighton, mm-hmm. with, the Bright, with the club, and he was telling guests there that he's ready to get out. Yeah. So funny how this new bid and, and this bidding war is suddenly created 24 hours after Caicedo voiced publicly that he wants out of the club. But I mean, that wasn't how- even, no, that wasn't even voicing it publicly. I, this is what I don't understand. Fair, all, of these, all of these quotes come up about he wants to move he was he's pushing for the move he's telling people he's gone there there's legitimately stuff that he can do mm-hmm. to to move the process forward and like it's not happening so Thank you, so I, I don't like it, it, does he want to come i don't know that, i mean that's my like last year last year he posted a picture of like uh Arsenal or like some tweet about like it was his dream playing for Arsenal uh, when the rumors came no, up no, for no. him. He, he posted like, a, a letter saying goodbye to, to Oh I, yeah. Because like, he was just thanking them for making wants. them making him the, the, the club's highest sell and letting him move to a elite club or something like that. Yeah. Back I mean, back when Brighton had class, right? We all used to I used to fuck with Brighton. Like I used Me to be too. like, okay, I At respect the them as like a nice season, little hipster club. They but... were they were my second team yeah. last the, for Yeah, sure. well well now they're cunts. Yeah, bottom three. Right? But I mean bottom look three. Yeah, it, it the point is, I mean, we need to make a move there. And and 
in my opinion, I was frustrated mostly at the fact that there was no clear plan B, just like there have been in the past. We've always had a plan B or a plan C that was not only public information, but was in the more advanced stages of negotiations. Like we, the player was already aware that we were interested and there was interest on both sides. Now, Tyler Adams' name uh, comes up this morning. And I mean, we're Americans, so we have the buy. Um, but we are considering activating his, uh, his relegation clause. He has one in his contract. It's 20 million pounds. And, um, you know, I know he's currently injured and he does have an injury history, but I mean, you're talking about a guy that wears the armband for the U.S. national team. He also wore the armband for Leeds as well. And across last season, he was by far Leeds' best player. Their season really fell apart when he got. So I'm looking at the rest of the market. Is there a better bargain at, the, at this position, 20 million right now? Mm, I mean, he's hurt right now. He doesn't come back till September. So, I mean, it's still, he'll, he'll be ready. He'll miss a couple weeks. Most of the season. Yeah, he'll, yeah. he'll still play most of the season. Um, first of all, I just want to clarify. Did you misspeak when you said it's a relegation clause rather than a release clause? Or, like, is that an actual thing? Like, that I think it's, no, it's a thing. Team. He has a clause in his contract yeah. to where that, that release, that number would become uh-huh. official should they get relegated. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I've never heard that. And that I don't know, I just, that was exciting. Like, I work with contracts all day, so, you know, when I hear shit like that, I geek out. But, <laughs> um, Tyler, yeah, Adam, no, a lot of a lot of the relegation battling teams, they usually have contracts like that. Yeah. For, they're big players. Yeah, last year, we, we probably would have started uh, implementing them. We were close. We were close. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, you guys know more about Tyler Adams and we've said, you know, you, what you said is pretty much like my impression of Tyler Adams. And I think that he would be great. Like he does fit the role that we need. And, um, but I don't know, Andres, I, 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 I don't even know how to, feel I mean, the right. real, the real question is, is he Chelsea quality? He's uh, he's better, quality. I think he's better than Connor Gallagher. At the DM that's, position, that's, yeah. That's, that is the question. Is he better than Connor Gallagher? Completely different. Gallagher? It's a completely different player. I know, but they're the going to play see the it, same The position. way I see it, if you if you get Tyler Adams, you sell Connor Gallagher, and then you get an exactly you yeah. you get an improvement the on the on the ten position because that's technically where Gallagher should have been more advanced off the pitch. But mm-hmm. to me, I. I I don't know if this move ends up making sense because I think Tyler Adams would just end up being a stopgap. I think that we would go back in for an elite level player to be in the double pivot just a year later. If not, if not, give a chance to someone like this, this young kid we signed from Ren that we'll talk about later. So to me, it's like, is there an upside to it? Yes, there is. Um, do we need a DM? Of course we do. One thing with Tyler Adams is that he has absolute zero, and I mean zero, output. Like, we are getting a guy that is going to cover the back line. That's as far as it goes. Like, I I fear that he doesn't have that element of the game where he's going to progress the ball forward. Like, the Mm -hmm. turnovers might be an issue there. Like, he's going to win the ball back, but then he's going to lose it and have to win it back again kind of thing. Like, he didn't Um, play in a possession-based side at 
right like we dissolved all all gas no brakes kind of thing so like Mm -hmm. can you fix that without a preseason that's another conversation he's not even available for for the beginning of the season so it's like okay so he's gonna get here once we're up and running and and so at that point it's like why not just roll with andre santos like if you're considering a guy for 20 million you already have a guy for 20 million so yeah i think like tyler adams I, I rate him. Like Zach said, he's obviously key to the way the U.S. plays. The U.S. national team plays very different than Chelsea plays. Mm-hmm. They're very much more direct. So to me, do I rate Tyler Adams? Yes. Do I rate him for Chelsea? Probably not. And I don't think that's like a, a dig at the player. I just don't think stylistically he gives us everything that we would want out of that second pivot spot. I mean, I guess the main difference just add to what you're saying between him and a Caicedo is that Caicedo granted he's more of a defensive minded six he does have the ability to play box yeah Caicedo you know, he, Caicedo in, in its essence is like a South American Conte region like the dude yeah. can, can give you stuff going forward and it's not just like the one role of like the, the six that covers the back yeah. four Tyler Adams in that sense is very much a special you know he's a he he's a disruptor and that's it. Um yeah, so I mean for for Chelsea fans that are listening um that are you know that remember the Mikel days, he's pretty much John Obi Mikel with I would say just a shorter version um of John Obi Mikel. He's going to win the ball back and give it to Enzo so he can, you know, <clears throat> be creative with it. Um but yeah, I mean we'll see what happens. These rumors have only been around for a day or two, so you know, who knows? Maybe by this time next week they'll just be completely gone or you know we might have that position resolved. All right, well moving on here, we have a uh, Mohamed Kudus um rumor uh for this player from Ajax. Um now Kudus is a left-footed attacking player. He could pretty much play anywhere across the front 3. Um, Ajax's director of football saying um, earlier that we've ha- we've very open and good discussions with both Kudus and his agent with a clear wish in terms of a timeline. We need time to get good replacements. So Ajax uh, already signed Manchester City winger Carlos Borges for around £17 million. This is a move that happened in the last few days here. Um, Kudus agreed terms with Chelsea a while ago already. It's been about a week. Um, and the rumored fee is about £40 million. So. Um, we are still looking to spruce up the attack a little bit. My guess is that Kudus is most likely going to be playing primarily on the right-hand side. He also might get a shot at the 10 as well. Um, really quickly, guys, um, how do you feel about potentially exploring this? Sam? It, is this Carlos Borges guy? Is he related to William? Do you know? No. Or, I don't know. Um, just, okay, that was my first point. Second point, I mean, um, I... I I could see him actually playing a lot more like center attacking mid than winger, um, but uh, I'm, I haven't heard a lot in the past couple of days about this deal. It should be good if it happens. It adds depth, like you said. Champions League experience, scored a few goals yeah. already in the Champions League well, last season for Ajax. Scored in the World Cup too. The other thing is we yep. could possibly scratch an Ajax itch here because they have been selling a lot of their big players and I, they've been very open about wanting to add experience to the squad. I mean, that could potentially leave the door open for us to say, hey, give us a deal on Kudus and we'll cut you some slack with Ziyech. I've seen that rumor go around as well. Andres, do you have anything to add on Kudus really quick? Uh, Kudus to me is still like 
is it Kudus or is it going to be Olise? I think they're they're priced similarly. I think Kudus will be a little bit different than what uh, Madueke provides on the right side. Madueke being more of like your playmaker, Kudus being more of your finisher. So again, healthy competition. If it means less minutes for Raheem Sterling overall, I'm all for Isn't it. Net so, positive for everybody. Yeah. I, again, I I think we're worse. That's the last of the transfers that would happen. That Cam right wing hybrid, when that can fill those roles and add competition. So the fact that IX is moving in that position means that either we'll make the move or Arsenal will will pull the trigger on them because I know they're the other reported club. Yeah. Well, um, we'll see what happens on the Kudus front, but let's talk about some confirmed signings here. We do have two new signings since the last time we recorded. The first one I'm, I'm pretty excited about. Um, we're going to talk about Leslie Oguchukwu, a 19-year-old from Wren. We uh, confirmed his transfer, 23.2 million pounds. He's a defensive midfielder. He's long. He's lanky. He covers ground well. He's a disruptor, ball winner, um, and he's he's... Pretty similar stylistically to Declan Rice, to be completely honest, just in terms of what he can provide. He's a decent range of passing. He can he commands and controls the middle of the pitch. Great at breaking up play. Um, now, it's a little unclear as to what his future is going to be. Pochettino did speak on it, and he said, look, you know, we're still trying to get signings through the door, but um, you know, he's going to join the first team, which he already has, and uh, they're going to make a decision at a later time. So... You know, again, stockpiling on the young players. It doesn't seem to be too expensive of a transfer. Andres, how do you feel about this one? Well, I, I just think it's interesting. Whenever the signing was confirmed over the weekend, uh, Potch said that, yes, he's coming to the U.S., but he's going to go on loan, and he's changing his tone a little bit. That kind of worries me, <laughs> because now it's like, is is there something going on in the Caicedo side of things where is actually going to look at this kid for a full other week instead of just going out and sending him on loan. So, again, super highly rated kid, French. Um, I think Strasbourg is probably in his future. Mm-hmm. I I fear that if he stays, that's a bad thing. That that gives me that makes me think that we're going to give up on the Caicedo search if we get like news that Ogochukwu. Which I just butchered is going to stay with the first team. I mean, he's similar to Angelo in terms of you know being a young player that has tons of first team experience. He has over forty caps for Ren in Liga. So, I mean, the guy's been playing in the top division since he was seventeen. So, I think bringing someone like him to the club and having him play either a bit part role or just be a straight up backup for a team that's not going to be playing in Europe might be of a detriment to him. I think, yeah, maybe a lone move is good for him, especially with a league where he's familiar. If he goes to Strasbourg, he's already been bossing league on. So, you know, it'll be a... French legend. Exactly, exactly. Um, Sam, do you have anything to add on him really quickly before we move on to the next signing? Yeah, Andreas, I thought your pronunciation of Ugo Chukwu was actually pretty good. So, yeah, just give yourself a little bit yeah. of credit. Ugo Chukwu. I'll just call him I think that's right. moving forward. No, I wasn't. I'm not being sarcastic. I thought it was fine. Um, I don't know too much about him, so we'll just wait yeah. and see. <laughs> hey, that's fair. I don't know I'm much about lie. him either. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna I, I didn't know much until okay. we signed him. So, um, but the other player that we did sign that we do know 
pretty decent amount about is Axel Dezassi, so the center back uh, formerly from Monaco. He's now a Chelsea player, 40 million pounds, um, 25 years old, guys, 144 total first-team caps across League 1 with uh, Reims and Monaco. Um, so this guy was the captain of the, of, of the Monaco team. He's also former with teammates the with the bad man, uh, Badi Ashil. Um, I know they played in a back three mostly, but nonetheless, there is still chemistry there. He's also, uh, I think he has, what, four caps for the French national team? Played makeshift right back a couple Cup times spot. for them. I, yep. You know, hey, you know who uh, they also have good chemistry with? Who? Chuameni. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> mm, interesting. Uh-huh. Go ahead. We do yeah, need a continue. DM. But um, look, I mean, this is uh, this is different from the other signings that we've made this summer, isn't it? Because I mean, the guy is not, you know, he he's not no spring chicken. He's been around the block a few times. He's twenty five years old. I think we're getting him at the peak of his powers, at least athletically. You know, he has the national team experience. He has a you know a first team experience across multiple seasons now, and he has leadership qualities if he's the captain. So you know, he is right footed. It's so now we're finally adding another piece to the puzzle here. We have our clear-cut backup for Thiago Silva. Um, but I think this does spell possibly the end of a one Trevor Chalaba at Chelsea Football Club. Andres, what do you think about this signing in general? Uh, I'm a big fan of the fact that we have now put... like Bayern took the number one target center back from Man U. We've taken their number two target at center back. So that's hmm. nice. The fact that you know this guy's actually pretty rated. Uh, my understanding is that he's a little bit more on your John Terry, Tiago Silva profile center back, where it's not the athleticism that's going to be uh, what makes him popular, but it's his reading of the game, being in the right place at the right time. Uh, and then the fact that he's six foot three, I'm really, really excited about that. So he's very tall and beefy too. Like he's his his weight, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but I was like, all right, this is a big boy. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, this is obviously a reaction to Pofana going down with an ACL and and kind of trying to put someone that's going to be a like for like competi- like competition for when he's healthy again. So, forty million for a guy that that's at worst case going to be a one year solution at center back is, I'll take that. And I mean, granted, Fofana has a pretty decorated injury history for being so young. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility to think that long-term Axel Desasi could be our right-sided center back. I mean, yeah, we're not just spending... We're, well, I mean, we're, it's, it's like the Velhovich thing, where we're not spending $40 million to bring a guy to, to be a backup to Thiago Silva. I mean, I fully expect him to be starting matches over Thiago Silva come, let's say, January, February. Um, so I'm excited about it. I think this is the right profile that we need. I'm also excited about the fact that we're adding, like Andres said, size, especially to that back four, because as great as Thiago Silva is, he's not the most physically imposing player. And, um, you know, he's, he's definitely going to help us, you know, defending set pieces and attacking set pieces. So I'm excited about that, but let's, uh, let's move on here. So that pretty much does it for the transfer news and rumors. Obviously next episode, we should have some more information for you guys, but um, let's get into the last preseason match here. Just wrapped up a few hours ago. Chelsea drawing 1-1 with Borussia Dortmund and one of the most boring preseason matches I've watched in a while. 
the first 15, 20 minutes was great, but once Nkunku went down, it kind of went downhill. So we did uh, field a pretty strong starting 11, like Sam alluded to. Um, Kepa in goal. Back four, starting from left to right, we have Ben Chilwell, Levi Colwell, Thiago Silva, and Reese James. Uh, Enzo and Connor Gallagher as the pivots, with uh, the three behind Nico Jackson being uh, Nkunku on the left, Chuck Wameka in the middle, and Sterling on the right. Um, so Pochettino did say after the match, quote, this was about giving 90 minutes to the team in my head that I plan to play because the season's only 10 days away. So boys, we were pretty much right in our Discord. We said that the team that would be playing today would most likely be 90% of the team at least that'll play against Liverpool. Um, you know, like I said, not the most entertaining match, but there were a few takeaways here. I think the first one that we can talk about and blatantly obvious is that Raheem Sterling looks cooked, boys. Um, not just well done either. He looks just completely burned. Andres, do you want to talk a little bit about his performances or lack thereof? It's just frustrating. I, you think that the veteran would be the one to bounce back when the right leadership is here and, and the platform for success is there. Like I, I find it so hard to believe that these 20-year-olds have understood what's being asked of them so quickly. And I know it's preseason, and you're not supposed to judge everything by preseason, but he's just, he's just not getting involved. And everything we read and were told during the summer is that he was ready to take on a leadership role, and he was ready to make good on, on his move to Chelsea. And so, yeah, it just... It makes me want to sign more wingers so that he loses more playing time at this point. I thought, oh, we can't sign another winger because we have Sterling, Mudrik, Madueke, and and maybe Angelo or whatever. Like, we had four guys for winger positions. We don't need any more. Now I'm like, nah, Sterling ain't it. Like, give me Matson out of position yeah. mm-hmm. ahead of Sterling. I'm with you on that. It's the, the crazy thing is... This is the guy on our team with the most Premier League experience <laughs> and, and success. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and on paper, he should be our best player. It, like, he really should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it blows my mind that it's the exact opposite, that we're okay with almost everyone on the roster except for Raheem Sterling. and it, you know, it kind of worries me because, I mean, if, if there is obviously a complete possibility that he does turn it around and he has a good season for us. Like, and honestly, I'm rooting for that. As a Chelsea fan, I root for that. But if he, start, if he continues to play the way he does, like, it's going to be inevitable that he's going to get benched for whoever it is, if it's going to be Madueke or whatever whoever's playing on our right side and you know i think i mean that's the main reason why he left city in the first place because he was told that he would have to sit more you know he he wouldn't be starting as much so he requested the move and i'm just worried about the potential you know we just i have ptsd with lukaku and i don't want another locker room situation because last year not only did we suck, we also had all of that drama. Like, every every week there was something coming out. Mm-hmm. And 
Like if we're gonna suck this year, and I don't, and I don't think we're gonna suck. We're gonna be much better than last year. But you know, if we're not gonna be competing for a Premier League title, like at the bare minimum, like to enjoy the season, it needs to be like minimal drop. Only. Yeah, like yeah. You know, like like how it's been this whole preseason. The the well, vibes, Andreas, that that's that was perfect. The vibes have been so awesome, and I've really enjoyed. All the young players, like you know, all the new players, uh, everything but Raheem Sterling, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I was gonna say that I think every player has put up a decent highlight reel, except Raheem Sterling, and 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 Kukurea. And Kukurea let's throw well, him in there as well. I he think... has an assist. He has an assist. That's, well, so that's Kukurea, but it oh, I'm, talking, I'm that's, talking that's about Kukurea. Oh His yeah, this yeah, was yeah. nice too. So that's yeah, a better well, highlight. I forgot Sterling had an assist. I think the thing with Sterling that I've noticed is just he, he just doesn't fit what Poch is asking of him, and he's never really done any of the things that Poch wants him to do. I mean, you're talking about high counter pressing, closing down the half spaces, you know, basically suffocating your opposition fullback, cutting off passing lanes, um, tracking back defensively. I mean, all those things are you don't associate with Raheem Sterling. And those are all things that he wasn't asked to do at Liverpool and at Manchester City. You know, he was very much the player that, especially at Man City when he came into his own and really gained his reputation as being uh, not necessarily a finisher because his end product is not consistent, but he was always finishing a move. Mm -hmm. He was never the guy to start a move and create it, but he's always the guy that's there to finish it. And, you know, I, I, I'll put my hand up and say, you know, I thought maybe there's a chance he comes good this year. If, you know, Nico Jackson bangs, which he has. Maybe he could form a relationship with him and Nkunku. And, he still you know, can. Maybe what do you they mean? Can get... No, no. Th- listen, there, there yeah, is still, still time. Th- there's still plenty of time. I'm, my, my optimism about that is just not very high. Like, I don't think that, yeah. I don't think that it's... I think the odds are more likely that he's going to fail, continue failing, than, you know, eventually a light bulb's going to, you know, switch on and he's just going to ball out. Just one last quick thing on Sterling, because, I mean, first of all, I missed the whole first half for today, so I only got to watch the second half. Um, And I, in the first, like, 15, 20 minutes that I saw, um, he actually did a lot of good things, like, I don't know how many more times this happened throughout the match, but he tracked back and he stole the ball from the guy, took the ball away from the guy in the midfield. I um, didn't see that. Who it was. And I don't know if he did that more than once. And then he had that one chance where he crossed, like he it, he released the ball perfectly to Nico Jackson. And Nico Jackson, like he kind of, he cut Should've back and passed time. it to, yeah. And he passed to Carney who messed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean that was that was another good good play. Like, and I saw those, you know, three four plays that he did, and that was more than what he's done the rest of the the preseason combined. Honestly, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to hold out hope completely. And I was the the biggest hater of Raheem Sterling from the beginning. I'm just still like, I still think there's a chance. And you know what the funny part is, Sam? You you sound more hopeful than I do. And in the yeah, beginning, you were the one talking shit, and I was the one saying, you know, we're signing a, we're signing a player. <laughs> that was exactly my point. <laughs> Andres, you got something? And, and I don't know if it's because we ex- we have the expectation 
at a different level than the young guys. So maybe we're like, God, you trash. Meanwhile, the young guys are also messing up, but we're like, no, nah, but they're also doing so much good. Like, I don't know if it's a mix of the two, uh, because like Sam said, Chukwameka should have scored. Like yeah. that, 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 that was there to score. We haven't had that moment of Raheem Sterling completely blowing it in a chance like that yet. Like he's just not doing the things that, the effort things, I guess, that you see the young guys do five times more because they're just trying to secure a place in the in the team. So maybe it's it's harsh. I just think I would have rather him be a leader by example than like perhaps something where he's like vocal in the locker room or, or something like that. Um, I changed my diet. I am eating less. Okay. Yeah, he's saying a lot Sick. of stuff. So it's like, uh, I do want to move to to just Kukureya because I I don't know. I don't know how we're going to get rid of this guy at this point. He has the assists. Um, you're right. He had a beautiful pass to, to Nico Jackson, but the amount That's of... That's his highlight reel. That's nice. Right. That's not what a defend. I, I want my defender's highlight reel to look like Malo Gusto sprinting, catching up yeah. to a dude and bodying him to win the yeah. ball. Yeah. Like that the was fact that his, he has more low lights <laughs> defensively than highlights at, in in the five matches he's played so far, and and it's not <laughs> like he's playing against Mo Salah yet because that's who he would be lined up against on a on a tough day. So it's one of those things where it's he like, wouldn't play that game. That's that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. Lewis Hall would would jump ahead of him, or maybe Ian Motson. Well, we, well. we said it in uh, we said it if in the group chat earlier. You know, uh, if the rumors the last couple of days were that Chelsea are open to potentially moving Kukurea and clearing out clearing him out at least for this season, even if it's not a permanent sale, maybe alone. I mean, listen. Alone is best case scenario. I would rather loan him this season than straight up sell him. I think if he goes somewhere that plays a more defensive-minded system football, just like it did, just like he did under Potter at Brighton, then maybe he can recoup some of his transfer value. You know, yeah. uh, but I think he needs to be he needs to be playing in a team that I don't even know, like. Where does he fit? Like, and that's that's where I keep kind of running into this wall because if you put him in a really defensive team, positionally he's been awful for us. If you put him in a team that plays a high line, he's extremely slow. But if you put him in a team that attacks and possesses, his crossing is shit. He's basically a black yeah. hole on the left side. So it's like, what's that? Like doing? Sheffield. Or yeah. What do you do with him? Brentford. Like, do you send do you send him to a team that likes to play with a five six center back? back? Like, yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? Went back three. three. Oh, he's... <laughs> um, but wait, look, I mean, I, I, hold on. I need to say something quick about Kukurea. I, yeah, the just like I said this since the first uh, match day or the first preseason game when we talked about who would be number two left back or whether it was going to be Ian Motson like over Kukurea, and I think most of us agree that we would rather see Ian Motson play over him. But I've just liked what I've seen so much from him playing up front that I would rather see him play up there. And then, you know, because uh, most matches, Ben Chilwell is going to start. So, yeah. you know, there's going to be maybe, let's say, like 10 matches total where one of the two is going to be the left back. Um, so, you know, it's not or like... it's not. Back, yeah. Yeah, did I say right back? Sorry. Um, but it, it 
I I really liked what I saw from Ian Modson, like on the left or the even or, as a winger, right wing. Yeah, yeah, that's what I yeah, mean. Yeah. As a winger, sorry, that's what. I, no, He's just I as a winger. He epitomizes your modern day footballer, Ian Motson, because he can kind of do a little bit of everything. Defensively, he's sound. Technically, he's sound. He has a great he has a great vision. He could pick out a pass. He loves to play an early cross. We saw what he can do with his finishing. His technique when he strikes the ball is awesome. Yeah. He does not hit the ball like a left back. I mean, the, the, the way he strikes through a ball is like a winger or a, or an attacking player. But we have Ben Chilwell and Reese James, who I'd say the same thing about, which is yeah. Great. Yeah, technically just both of them. Yeah, technically just anomalies for their position. Um, I kind of I might have just convinced myself that we need Ian Monson <laughs> to play backup at left back. Well, we he's do. staying. So we do. Said he's right, right. No, Poch loves sure. him. I love him. Um, too. Let's move on though. Um, I, I want to talk about Nkunku a little bit. I mean, he did go down today. Awkward challenge. You know that little layoff to Nico Jackson where he was spinning off the defender. It looks like maybe uh, took a knock to his knee there, went down, uh, tried to run it off, went down a couple minutes after. Pochettino, after the match, said the doctors are checking on him, and I hope it's not a big issue. He fell into action, which was maybe a penalty, and he feels something in his knee, but we hope it's nothing big. We hope he can be back quickly with the team. We just need a few days to assess him. So, I mean, clearly he's been our, I would say, him and Nico Jackson, probably our two best players this preseason, just as a whole, not just in terms of output and numbers, but the actual impact of the game. And I mean, talking about Nico Jackson too, the chemistry that him and Nkunku seem to have is growing game by game. So they seem to only be getting better the more they play with each other. You know, it didn't look like it was too uh, crazy of an injury, Sam, but, um, you know, if, in- if Nkunku is out, for the foreseeable, let's say, you know, if he does miss the Liverpool match, how big of a concern is that for us? I mean, we do have a little bit more squad depth than we did in years past. Yeah, like, I mean, if if he's going to just miss the Liverpool game, that's fine. I mean, the the concern is whether it's a long-term thing. Um, and, you know, we he's have... walking, at least. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think... I mean, I'm not a doctor, and I never got the chance to evaluate him myself. But I would say it's it's not a long term injury, and he might. I think he's probably not going to play against Liverpool. And if that's the case, who do you guys see starting? Like, Mudrick. what? Mudrick? Oh yeah, I mean he played played left wing. Yeah, he played right? left wing, and he lit it yeah. up. I mean that's actually my Chukomeka, next bullet. It would be it would be so, Chukomeka playing at the ten. I mean, oh, which yeah, which I think that's I, I a really, given. That which I'm not opposed to. I mean, I, I think Chukwemeka's been awesome this preseason so far. Like he's really he's growing in confidence. He seems to do all the things that Poch wants him to do. He's finding himself at the right place at the right time. I think the only thing with him, and I think this is gonna come with experience and time on the pitch, is just the end product. The yep. final pass and the final shot. But every other part of his game seems to be there. He's a great hold up player. You know, in in the middle third, he's brilliant with the ball retention. He's press resistant. He's a big body. He can shield defenders. It's just that end product with him. But like, like you saw, I won't be mad um, if if Chukwemeka does start at the ten and we get Mudrik on the left. You mm-hmm. know, I I don't know. I honestly, like, I am a little bit scared of starting. Like like you're saying, the potential of Chukwemeka. I, I agree, but starting week one against Liverpool. It, 
I'd prefer not to. Like, if we can play a three-man midfield, and, you know, like, so we don't even need a, like, a, like a center attacking mid, no, or... Ten. Yeah, I, I mean, so... I, I mean, he's dropped deep. Like, it's not like you can adjust, like... He's just gonna be the one that gets the most license to go. Sure, forward. no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about necessarily where he would play. I'm just like trying to take him off the pitch completely. <laughs> well, I mean, you have to think of the role that he's gonna play if he does play against Liverpool. So most likely, he's probably gonna be marking McAllister out of the game. I mean, that's that's what I think yeah. is gonna be his role because. I think what Poch wants to do is just kind of have Gallagher and Enzo playing a sort of free safety role, to use an American term, but um, you know, to kind of have the game in front of them and then maybe use Chukwemeka to just kind of sit on their main distributor, which is going to be McAllister. At least that's what I think. Um, so, so then, and then you think we'll, we'll also have Enzo and Gallagher? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think Enzo and Gallagher are going to be the pivots. Um, I think, and and here's why. I I think Gallagher's the choice because Pochettino's only been speaking about needing players with experience, right? Like, all the concerns that have come out of Poch's camp have been how young the team is. And, you know, Gallagher, granted, he is young. he's, he's He's not old, but he has Premier League experience, two full seasons of it. So... Poch is going to look at that and be like, okay, who can I depend on the first game of the season to be up with the pace of the game, to be up with the physicality of the game, and to just give me the basics? Like, I don't think Poch is looking at the Liverpool game going, who's going to give me a 10 out of 10? He's looking at the Liverpool game going, who's going to give me a 7? Yeah, I and mean, if there's one thing you can't deny that Conor Gallagher is good at, it's, it's going like 100% at all times. So, Well, look, I... I, I I know I'm a fanboy of his, but like I also think that some of the criticism is out of pocket when it comes to Connor Gallagher. Like it is very much an overreaction, similar to the way it was with Mason Mount when he was, you know, the talk of the town and playing for Chelsea week in and week out. Yeah, he's not the perfect player. He still has a lot that he needs to work on, his composure being the main thing. Like he he does get these little moments of just being completely erratic where he'll 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 overhit a pass or he'll overrun. A tackle, he gets really excited. I feel like something like that. Like, yeah, he gets really excited. But I feel like if Poch does spend enough time with him, maybe he can sort of harness that energy and get him to sort of use it in small bursts, as opposed to using it, you know, every second of the ninety. If that makes any sense. But I do want to talk about Mudrik a little bit, Andres. I'm going to bounce this one off of you. I mean, this guy seems to just be coming into form now. He is oozing confidence, and I think it's just a matter of time before he really starts to click as a player. It's, I mean, again, he, everything that could have gone wrong with his arrival in January did. And now you have a, a manager who, we've seen it, and then you have someone like Levi Colwell, who is so ready to walk away, also mentions it, that looks at you more than just a player, you're a person. To take this kid... Under his wing, because there is multiple, and I mean multiple pictures now of him arm around Mudrik. Again, a kid. Mudrik is, is 19 or 20. The whole thing with the Ukraine's going on. He played against Ukrainian league players, jumps to the Premier League. Doesn't have an awful half a season, but the expectations were way too high. He comes back, he puts in the work, and things are happening. And the kid is confident. The, the, the clip that's going around online of his first touch does that little behind-the-leg Neymar settle touch. And, and 
there was more than that. There was a part where he got the ball and he's standing still. And he's just does something with his feet that it ends with a back heel pass to Chilwell. Like he is driving at defenders with purpose. He's not perfect. He has his like long touch here and there. But this is the Mudrick that we saw in that 15 minute cameo against Liverpool when he first touched the pitch as a Chelsea player. And, and to me, he has to start. He has to start because, again, maybe in a game where, where things are kind of too complex, just one, one run into space from this guy and everyone will wake up. Like, that's all we need him to be. I, I don't need this guy to score 20 goals. If he can get me double digits goal and assist this season, I think that's a – and just complicates life for a defense. Yeah. I call it a success That's the key. Him. I was going to say... He's just going to be so annoying, and that's all I want him to be. An annoying yeah. guy that contributes here and there. Yeah, I was going to say his biggest attribute is going to be the threat that he poses opposition the defenses. So like, even if he doesn't have the ball, the other team is ha- going to have to be set up in a way to where they can't be exposed just by, his, j- just by his pace. I mean, the pace alone keeps defenses honest because based on the looks of it, guys, I think at full sprint, I mean, we might be looking at one of, if not the fastest player in the Premier League. Easily one of the fastest players in the Premier League and probably Europe. Um, but one thing with Mudrik that I've been noticing and, and something we didn't see a lot of from him last year is that you know he is coming off the left-hand side and he's feeling more comfortable cutting into his right foot and sort of, you know whether it's looking for that looped through ball, that, that loop dipping through ball that he, that he does a lot. He did that a lot with Ukraine in the U21s. You know, he looked for it a couple times today. The other thing is where he cuts inside top of the 18 and he looks for goal. And the technique in which he strikes the ball is very similar to like prime Cristiano, where he hits the ball right in the middle, right? And he gets that knuckle, sort of that swerve. Listen, I'm not saying he's prime Ronaldo. That's a stupid... Comp- I was it, wondering it, whether you would say that. No, 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 no. <laughs> Listen, I'm not comparing... I'm not saying he is prime Ronaldo. I'm saying the way he uses the ball and the technique, it's, it's similar. You, you can't lie about that. I mean, that one shot that fizz past the far post today... Yeah. That ball was moving, man. But look, I see the vision, Zach. I really do. Like, I, I went through my old DMs to see which Chelsea players I had like DM'd before, um, <laughs> and there weren't too many. But Mudrik was one of them. And like the most recent message I sent him is like, "You're beautiful." Like, I think I've I, like. Ever since day one, I kind of fell in love with this guy, and it's tough because we're kind of going through like, like we were we're we're just finishing an era that included like, like the Kai Havertz purchase, where we all thought this was like we just bought one of the best young players in Europe, and it just didn't turn out the way we thought it would. Timo Werner I, I wasn't as big of a thing but it, he still was like another disappointment i think so Mudrick... I, I, no, sorry one just like to finish this thought so i tried not doing the same thing with him but from what i've seen it's 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 impossible i i i see the vision there's flashes i think all chelsea fans who, who have watched this preseason and watched them play i think most of them feel the same way I think the star power with Mudrik is definitely there, at least the star potential. Like when he touches the ball you, and, and he's feeling confident, similarly to the way he was playing today, 
you just get the sense that every time he picks the ball up, he's going to do something with it. He's going to create some kind of havoc, or he's going to, you know, put someone on their ass and beat them down the byline and put a ball across the six. I, he's going to be a problem this season. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about Reese and Ben Chilwell. We don't have to spend too much time on this, but I know both players, they did wear the captain's armband throughout the preseason at different points. They did both speak about wanting to be the captain of Chelsea Football Club. Um, we know Reese James is Chelsea through and through, born and raised. Ben Chilwell is, I mean, he's proper Chelsea as well. He, he said he wanted to be f- fucking captain of the team, for God's sake. But, I mean, what do you guys think about that? I, I for one, am all for it. And I think both of those guys present the perfect examples of not just leadership, but example of what it means to be Chelsea on the pitch also. So, like, they fully encapsulate that captain role. Sam? So, as the lead conductor of the Chili Train, I know it's been a while since uh, I've referenced that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not surprised, and I'm really happy for him as well. But I just want to comment on... A, for, I'm really surprised. I've been seeing so much hate on Ben Chilwell on Twitter. Like, it really came out of nowhere, and I don't, and I don't get it, like... I I think like maybe 60 to 70% of the tweets that are hating on Ben Chilwell are just like football Twitter kids like just trolling and baiting. But I I just like have seen that a lot where people are are not a fan of Ben Chilwell and I I don't like there's what what is there not to be excited about like he's he's looked good in every every preseason match. He's represented the club so well you saw that stupid kevin durant thing where we gave him a jersey and, <laughs> and i hate kevin durant so that was like, yeah and then kevin durant's gonna demand a trade to arsenal and then from arsenal he's gonna demand a trade to yeah. man u and then from the man hardest, u he's gonna demand a trade to, yeah come on, um <laughs> so but yeah but ben chilwell was the guy to do that you know he presented yeah, yeah. the kit to him and like he is a great ambassador. You mm-hmm. know, it's like what it's like what we thought Mason Mount would become. But I mean, he did it. <laughs> to kind of add sprinkles on top of that, I mean, look, Ben Chilwell in the early parts of preseason, he was flying through the fitness test. He was the most fit player coming into Poch's camp. I, I still love that story. And, I, and I, don't then, it, I it's... think it's hilarious because he could barely finish a full 90 last season. And then, you know, on the flip side, on the right-hand side, you have Reese James, who, I mean, we know what kind of qualities he possesses as a leader, but, I mean, this guy's going chest-to-chest with players in preseason. So, like, both of them are all... They, they both want the smoke. They're both completely yeah. ready for the Premier League season, and this is why I want both of them to be captain and vice-captain. Ooh! I agree. Ooh! No, no notes, or whatever they say. What does that What's say? your idea? No I'm all that's for it. That's oh, that's an idea. It. Yeah, no, yeah. That, that is an idea. Yeah. Right there. So, I mean, is that the end of our conversation about that? We're all in agreement? I love yeah, the coin. I mean, Tiago, I mean, coin. But, I mean, okay. So, the Tiago Silva argument, though, is just like, he's also very deserving of, mm-hmm. you know, of, of keeping the 
captain Arban, right? He was our captain last year for most of it, no. or vice captain? No, Dave was our captain. What am I saying? Dave was, yeah. Dave was captain. Jorginho was vice captain, and then yeah. Thiago Silva became vice captain after we sold Jorginho. Okay, yes. So I mean, if 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 he was vice captain, like like you know, like if Joe Biden died, Kamala Harris would become the president. Like, same type <laughs> oh, of Lord, thing. you know, Dave's <laughs> gone. We, well, look, I, I think. I think Tiago's the type of player where, you know, he's smart. He knows he's not going to be here, probably probably won't be here next season. So he's going to look at it in terms of a long-term vision. Just because he's not wearing an armband doesn't mean that he's not the most respected footballer in that dressing room. Right. You know, I think everybody with a footballing brain is going to look at Tiago Silva like he's a god, regardless of whether or not he's wearing that armband. Yeah, um, I, would prefer, I would prefer your suggestion, but I also wouldn't be mad if... If yeah, I, I, I think don't think anybody's they're all just their link, which is a great problem to have. Yeah, communism. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyways, um, Sam, you touched on this earlier. I think we pretty much have an answer on it. This was the last point I wanted to mention before we wrap things up. Um, the the Enzo partnership conundrum. I mean, obviously we don't have that DM yet. Connor Gallagher did start today, and he did play the full ninety, right? Yeah, I kind of, of I kind of half paid attention the last ten minutes or so. Um, but look, I mean, so if if Connor Gallagher starts week one, assuming it's a similar lineup to what we saw today, I mean, we'll get predictions again next week. But how do we kind of feel about things going into this? I hate it. <laughs> hey, I, you were just you were just saying how you're happy that the vibes are back, baby. What happened? Yeah, yeah, but that's one really easy way of killing the vibe. I <laughs> when Andre Santos was on the pitch, I felt it was it was more vibey, to be honest. I just think like it's Gallagher starting against Liverpool is a failure by the board to their promises to Pochettino, and yeah. and that is enough for me to say like it's bad because mm-hmm. he said oh the whole time he's been saying yeah they got my back. I'm working with the guys that are here right now. You know, I need another midfielder. Like, he's been saying it. But then, like, that tone is going to change. And Potch is going to start talking if the season starts and he didn't have the missing pieces. Uh, I don't know. It, it, he will, it's, he like, will start it's, talking. He did that at Tottenham with Daniel Levy. I mean, that, that's when the wheels fell off when Levy wouldn't back him in the market. Yeah, but this is not a lack of backing him. It's 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 honestly Brighton being very unreasonable and Fair. us not trying to be taken advantage of. But it's also a matter of it's also a matter of Poch going out multiple times saying he needs experience, and then us going and buying another nineteen year old. Right, yeah. that's the other Those part. Are, the squad yeah. is getting bloated again, and that's something. Yeah. He's, like like the whole thing was getting rid, and we did get rid, but then we were also bringing in. First, we're stockpiling young most, talent again. Most of those players are going to be loaned out, though. Okay, I mean, but, but the loan rules are changing year to year. We're going to have to do less and less loans. Like, yeah, well, it's not I, I still this year. Like the like we talked about, Blahovic potentially coming in. We're forgetting about the fact that Dr. Fofana is already on loan, and then reports are we're trying to sign that Eli Wahi, whatever the hell that kid's name is from France, that's going to go mm-hmm. back to Strasbourg. So then, if we also get Blahovic, that means next summer we're going to have five strikers. So like, that's squad management. The squad management needs to like these guys just can't sign every kid and then hope they're all gonna bang. Like, we need to be a little bit smarter about it. And he said, "Give me the DM I need to start today. I can work with kids elsewhere." And and we didn't. Like, we could have yeah. said, mm-hmm. "Okay, Caicedo's not it. 
Let's go get a veteran. And again, Real Madrid wants Mbappe. Why haven't we at least tested those waters for two players they have that could play DM? Hell, three. You can, you can argue that you can maybe push them for, for Chouameni, Kamavinga, or, or Valverde. I mean, I, I, would, I would offer damn near $100 million for Valverde. Offer I the mean, exact same money you're offering the Kaizedo thing and see if they blink. Yeah, like, we'll take more. It just, I just think, like, the, my point is there should have been an option two, three, and four if you thought if, if Brighton didn't want to play ball. Yeah. Because again, we knew he didn't have a release clause. Like and, he, and, and Stanley and, needed to know better. And to the and to Poch's, you know, detriment, like this gives him even less time to work with the player before playing in a competitive match. Like, you know, if, if let's say after three, because I think I think getting rejected three times, three strikes, and you're out. Right after the third rejection from Party, Brighton, it's been three. It's been four. Oh yeah, and that's the part that irks me. Is like after the third one, we should have been like, okay, if we go back in and you say no, we're gonna look like fucking idiots. And <laughs> went back another time. <laughs> and and now, especially if now that we went back a fourth time, if we do make an offer for anyone else that doesn't have a release clause, the clubs are gonna try and fleece us because they know we're desperate. It's not like we have a guy there that you know. It's not like the striker position, for example, where we have a Nico Jackson and, you know, maybe we can negotiate on the Vlahovic deal because it's not an absolute necessity that we need this guy. Everybody and their mother knows that we need a DM. So if we're only been pursuing Caicedo and we've gotten rejected four times, there's no clear backup option. If we go to Real Madrid tomorrow, they, they and they value, let's say, Chuameni at 80 million yesterday. And if we go to Real Madrid tomorrow, they're going to value him at 120 because they know we're desperate. And then they're going to be like, okay, meet us halfway. We'll settle for 100 Now they make another $20 million on the sale than they anticipated. And I think that this just puts us in a worse negotiating position if we do have to go with a plan B. Like, if we do wind up getting Kaiseido, which I think is going to happen, I think it's going to be like the Enzo situation where eventually they're going to crack. But if we don't, then we can potentially be spending more than Kaiseido money for a plan B. And that's the concern. And honestly, I think we should have been prioritizing Valverde as a plan A all along. I mean, if, you know, once the Mbappe news came out, we should have been like, fuck Caicedo, let's call Flo and see what kind of deal he wants to give us on Valverde. But, I mean, that kind of wraps up today's pod and kind of covered a lot, boys. Um, we will be recording another episode next week, just before the season starts. We'll be uh, reviewing um, some of our rivals and some of the moves that they made over the summer because we really haven't mentioned the likes of you know, Arsenal, uh, the Manchester clubs, Tottenham, Liverpool, so on and so forth. Um, we haven't really mentioned who they added, who they sold, what their teams are going to look like. So next week, look out for our pod. We'll be doing a deep dive on them and then uh, also giving our early season predictions before we get it underway against Liverpool. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Blues on Parade. And, um, you know, we do send out a questions tweet every week. We didn't send one this time around, but I'll make sure to send one before we record our next pod. That way you guys can get your questions in before the season starts. Um, so until next week, boys, let's keep the blue flag flying high.